And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portstein with you on a Friday afternoon gray and classically December in Columbus, Ohio. Much to discuss here today about the Blue Jackets and oof, what a game last night. Kind of a kind of a not much game for about 62 minutes. I thought both teams were rather sloppy, had a hard time controlling the puck. I thought Johnny Gaudreau was really good, but I thought there were a bunch of uh bunch of guys that just struggled a little bit last night. But the, the Russian line scores a big goal, Chinikov again. And then you know what happened in overtime. Elvis Merzlikens loses his noodle. I'm sure a lot of people want to talk about Elvis and Elvis's actions last night, perhaps Tom Wilson's actions as well. I I see already uh, many people want to speak to uh, Pascal Vincent's comments after the game. It's a, it's a very interesting topic. And, of course, the Blue Jackets end up losing that game 3-2 to two in overtime of Etchkin scores. Uh, ends a fourteen goal, a fourteen game goal drought. The last time he scored, ironically enough, also against the Blue Jackets. Ovi had sixteen shot attempts last night, seven on goal, scored his eight hundred and twenty eighth goal. I always wonder too, like as much as you're not fans of the Capitals, I'll safely assume. Um, how many of you take time to to just watch Ovechkin on a shift here or there, recognizing that in, you know. Many years from now, you'll be able to tell people that you did see the great eight live. He is an amazing player. 828 goals is pretty hard to get your arms around. I don't know if he's going to get to Gretzky or not. He slowed down quite a bit. Uh, obviously, still has the big bomb, though, as we saw last night. We can get into any of this. Step to the stage if you want. Or put a uh, text in, and we'll try to get to as many as we can. Probably go 45 minutes or an hour today. Um, Merry Christmas to all who celebrate. Happy holidays to, to everybody out there. Um, not sure if we're going to do one of these next week or not, but we'll, we'll see where the week goes. Uh, Blue Jackets back at it on Saturday against the Leafs. They do not practice today. They had a practice, but they canceled it. Um, pretty light schedule for the Blue Jackets. They go Toronto at New Jersey and then Toronto back here again. So a Saturday Toronto and a Friday Toronto the week after. Um, so yeah, send her on in here. Let's talk Russian line. Are they, are they the Siberian Huskies? Are they the, the, uh, what are they? I like something with Troika, but I'm not sure what else. It doesn't feel like that's enough. Maybe we should just let it happen organically and stop fretting about it. Um, so yeah, let's chat, um, send in a text, step to the stage. I see we've got one person on stage already. We'll start there this time. I think the last couple of weeks we've gone text first. Let's get to Matt C. Matt is, is on stage. Matt, you are on front and nationwide. Go ahead, please. Happy holidays, by the way. Uh, thanks thank for you. doing this. So I had some questions about some contracts, uh, negotiations coming up for next season, but since last night's game, my questions kind of took a turn. Um, from my point of view, my opinion, I think Merzlikens, um, like that was a selfish penalty. I think yeah. you had a team that just like busting their asses to get back in the game, um, coming off of a great win in Buffalo, trying to make it two in a row. And um, it just, that penalty just kind of took everything away from everybody. Um, my question though, more importantly is, post-game comments from Patsy, I I personally don't have a problem with them. Mm -hmm. I think when you see behavior like that, you got to call it out. I think we're trying to, like, coach accountability. Uh, I thought it was great. I just kind of wish 
some players would probably hop on that same train and just say, hey, we're like done with the self-play. Um, but I just wanted to ask, since you probably have a better pulse of the team, like what does the locker room think about that? Like, are they going to be, you know, afraid to make mistakes or, or like because a coach yeah. is going to throw them under the bus or what? I don't think I don't think you could put um, it's a game of mistakes hockey, but I, I don't think you could say what what went on with Merzli because at the end of that game falls under the category of a mistake. I mean, that is that's beyond that. And I think it on one hand, I think there are a lot of people and I've seen this on on uh, Twitter in a few places, especially after the game last night, that that Pascal Vincent did not defend his players or his player. I think the other way you can look at it is that he was defending the other 19 who deserved better uh, from their teammate in that instance. I think what's at, at debate here too is how valid uh, Elvis's contention is that Wilson went for his knee on the breakaway. Like it's really hard for any fan. It's hard for people who have watched Tom Wilson play and I don't think he's a sympathetic figure here, but I don't think he's the guilty party. If, if you see him go in on the breakaway, try to score, I don't see a deliberate attempt to take his knee. And I see him trying to get out of the cage pretty quickly. It's Elvis that shoves him back into the net. And it, it's hard to remove from the from this whole story the fact that it is Tom Wilson, of course. But I don't think anybody would have responded differently if you're shoved back into the net um, and the goalie's like is leaning on you. You're you're pretty fairly well trapped uh, there. So I, I and there are people saying Wilson should have gotten some some penalty minutes there, too. I mean, I don't think it's crazy if Merzlikens gets four and Elvis and and uh, Wilson gets two. But I don't think he deserved the same amount of penalties that, in that instance right there, that that Merzlikens did. Um, I think there is the case, and Merzlikens made it, that he was on him all night, and perhaps the refs should have done a better job of policing that. Um, you know, an interference penalty when Wilson slew foots him on the first shift of the game and brings him down in the crease. Um so I think there's some stuff there, but it is, it's, it's not a, a great look for Elvis. I know everyone likes to see Tom Wilson get his face punched in. Um, that seems a long time coming for a lot of people, but it wasn't, it was not a very smart move and it did, whether you support it or not, there's no getting around the fact that it did cost the Blue Jackets dearly last night. They could have killed that penalty. Absolutely, they could have. They could have moved on and and gone on and won that game. Absolutely, um, but look, that, that is a uh, to take that penalty in that situation in a two-two game. You can, and I, whether they say it or not, you can be assured that there are several players in that in that dressing room that were plenty pissed at Elvis last night because that is that is a pretty selfish act. And I do. I will draw a bit of a line. I think that Branson acknowledged that that he um, cost the team a game. He acknowledged that. I think his situation is a little bit different. Where it was pretty pretty obvious to everyone that that there was um, a very dangerous play involving Good Branson again. It, you know, for him to come back at it later in the game, it did cost his team. He acknowledged that. Um, I do think it's a little bit different than Elvis's because I'm not sure that I'm not sure I buy or other people buy the the, uh, the suggestion that Wilson tried to take his knee out on the breakaway. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, let's go to the chat room here. We've got a bunch of them. Patrick D. Uh, right off the hopper says, "Porty, when the train goes off the rails in the third period, Pascal Vincent refuses to take a timeout. I don't know if he refuses. He didn't." He rarely does it while I see other coaches do it all the time to stop the bleeding. What gives? Um, he has taken some timeouts he, in the third period. I think he I think he wants these guys to work through it. I think um, I, I think there's a couple ways to look at it. You can either keep rolling guys and try to get through it, or you can um, 
you know, call timeout and talk it over. They've talked it over. It's not like this is a a new issue for them. I assume you're talking about the blowing the late leads. Um, yeah, at some point you just got to play. I liked what the coaches Hitchcock and Bedreau said when I tracked them down last week about this. It, this is a whether people want to admit it or not. This is a team going through this and having to learn how to go through it. It's taken on a life of its own. They got to deal with that too. They will get through this. They'll be better for it in the long run. Um, but I'm not sure timeouts are the answer. Um, yeah, guys, guys just got to play. And I feel like they're getting there a little bit, uh, a little bit each time. Maybe we'll see. Uh, Philip B says, what is the vibe you get about PV from the players? The fan base does not seem too enamored. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think you got to be careful, Philip. I'm not sure where you're uh, drawing your conclusions about how the fan base feels about Pascal Vincent. Um, Twitter is not um, indicative. It is not a uh, reliable sample. It is uh, just not. Um, I get the sense from a lot of players that that um, I think they play hard for him. I think most nights they've played hard for him. That's usually the sign. A when a, when a team does not respect their coach that the performance just isn't there even after they're called out. I think each of them, you know, it's different, it's certainly different than torts, but everyone assumed that every player hated torts. And I said over and over again, repeatedly, um, that just wasn't the case there. Almost every player at some point in there had an issue with, with torts and they sorted it out and they moved on, but there aren't too many players that, that don't, feel that they're better for having played for John Tortorella. I think these guys are still trying to figure out Pascal Vincent. I think, um, I think they rather appreciate when a guy, a guy making eight million, eight and a half isn't performing and he gets benched because it's easy to sit Matthew Olivier. It's easy to sit the guys lower in the lineup. That takes some cajones to sit the, the guy at the top. Um, so that doesn't mean every guy in the room loves him every day but i don't i don't get any sense that this room doesn't have respect uh for their head coach i i have not gotten that sense um so i'd leave it at that dale dale b says when looking at shot attempts and expected goals oh boy peak is one of the worst defensemen in the league he's dead last in goals expected i can't imagine he has any trade value with two years left at 2.75 what's the plan um, well, you know, I don't know if, if I think there are a million different ways to look at advanced stats. I think you have to look at where people start their, the majority of their shifts, what lines they're out against. Um, you know, for a team, for a line that starts most of its shifts in the offensive zone, it's going to have more, uh, shots for versus shots against it's going to have more expected goals than expected goals against you would think um so yeah all we heard last year is that erica branson was the worst defenseman in the league and they need to buy him out immediately before he even plays his 10th game here just get rid of it and i mean i think we've seen this year that when good branson is utilized in the right way uh for me third pair but no higher than second pair, he can be a very um, quality defenseman, necessary, important to this team. Um, blocking shots, defending the front of the net, all this, the unsexy stuff. Um, is Goodbranson going to get you a lot of expected goals? He is not. Um, but he brings elements to the mix that, that certain other defensemen don't. I think Peak has been in and out of the lineup so much this year that it's kind of hard to evaluate or unfair to evaluate him on the limited play that he's had. It's hard to sit a guy for four weeks, five weeks, and then throw him in and expect him to be, um, you know, at the top of his game. You look, I could, could they trade Andrew peak? I think they could. I don't think there's a big market for him or he, he probably would already be gone. Um, but I think there's, I think that is a player that fits into an NHL lineup. Um, 
if you're comprised the, the right way. Uh, we've got uh, Paul B. up on stage. We're going to do a couple more on the text, so Paul, be, be ready. We're going to come to you in a minute. Um, Jeremy V. says, finished with a division opponent before Christmas. Great scheduling by the NHL. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's weird. I don't. I guess if you play a team three times, look, the Leafs, they're going to be done with the Leafs here soon. Not that they're in the division, but I almost, it's a weird thing. I think the, the divisions are interesting. I made note last night that the Blue Jackets are 2, 10, and 1 in the Metro this year. Ouch. But really, the, the way that the playoffs are structured, you're, I don't want to say your division is irrelevant because the top three get in, but it's really where you're at in the conference. Um, I'm not even sure most people think about the division. Um, but that's easy to say when you're not a team that's really ever in the challenge to win it. So, yeah, the schedule's weird. It's always weird. Um, get ready because there's a ton of roadies here in the in the second half and a, and a couple of long road trips. End of March, there's a one, two, three, four, five-game roadie. Uh, end of April or middle of April, sorry, there's a one, two, three, four game roadie. So they've got some, they've got the worst yet to come. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Patrick S. says, last night's loss aside, I've been very interested in your coverage of the forward lines being blended. Yesterday, I had some downtime at work. Uh Uh-oh. Downtime's always scary, Patrick and decided to build an application to count all the line combinations that have been available to be used at any point this season. Based on who has been on the active roster for each game and gone through last night's game, the club has had the ability to field 712 different line combinations, okay? Using the NHL, you're saying that Pascal Vincent is actually rather stable with his line choices. Uh, The CBJ have had, had... 143 different line combinations play at least one shift together this season. Happy to share more about how I've got these numbers if you're interested. So, Patrick, I've been keeping a list, and I've gone over this a couple times. At the, I will again at the risk of, of boring people who have heard it. What I like to do, uh, and I'm not discounting your numbers because your numbers are what they, they say they are, but lines can do – you can get weird lines in the course of a game not necessarily performance-based or not by coach's preference. So a player uh, blows a uh, skate and goes off for repairs or takes a puck to the face and goes off for stitches, uh, the lines are going to change temporarily. That's not a coach saying, this is who I think should play together. Um, a power play uh, can eat times for certain players on a line but not others. And coming out of that, sometimes the coach will jungle that jumble them in order to get guys up to speed uh, before it levels off again. So what I've liked to do, to me, the only, the only, and, and there's a, there are other ways you can do that. You can watch a game when a team is struggling and the coach changes lines. You could make note of that too. But for me, the most consistent and fair way to measure how inconsistent the lines have been is to just take account of them at the start of games. This is what they've cho- chosen as their best lines as of today. And so for each of their 33, 34 games now, I've made note of that at the start. And how many times lines have started the game together, how many different lines have, have been used at the start of games. Um, last check, they were in the mid-40s or upper 40s. And 
it's been very volatile. This is, though, Patrick, exactly what we expected at the start of the season. I don't think, I think some of it's been a little over the top, frankly, but some of it has been predictable in that there's so many young players here. Like the Russian line has come together and it it looks like it can work as a line now. Nobody knew that at the start of the season because nobody knew that Voronkov could play in the middle. That includes the the coaching staff. So that that kind of stuff is young players' games evolving before our very eyes. Um, we're starting to see some lines take shape. 91-4 and 52 I thought was really important in that Buffalo game. That sounds weird to say in a 9-4 final. But even before they scored the eighth goal, when just when Buffalo was starting to get some life, that line had a really good shift in the Buffalo end. And it was when every other line was starting to recoil and get stuck in their own end. And that was that was important for them to, to push back, play it in their end. Buffalo scored after that when they were not on the ice to make it 7-4. But then that 91-452 line came right out after and had a really strong shift. Scored a goal, beautiful goal by Sillinger, great feed by Wierenski. And it's 8-4. Um so they've started to see that Sillinger and Johnson maybe look like they can play together. Maybe Bemstrom works there. It looks like Bemstrom scored a goal last night, but it ended up being Sillinger's. Um, Johnny Gaudreau likes playing with Fantilli. Fantilli plays well with Gaudreau. I didn't think that line as a group was great last night. I thought Johnny Gaudreau was really good last night. I thought Fantilli struggled a little bit. Um, so. There's just still so much to learn about this group that it's hard to know where it's going to fit or where they're going to end up. So this line volatility honestly hasn't surprised me much. Now it's all goofy because line A's out. Roslovic's out. You know, Roslovic should be back soon, I would think, maybe before the new year. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and and Vincent has taken some criticism for this. I think there's some there's been some weird choices. You know how I feel about Juracek. That's that's been stated. Um I I I wonder how different last night's game would have been if Olivier was in the lineup. And that used to be a foregone conclusion against a team with with Tom Wilson on the roster. Um so there's you know there's stuff like that you can question every night. But I don't think the fact that it's been pretty volatile um is a surprise. Uh, let's go to the the uh, stage if we can. Paul B, you are in the Front of Nationwide podcast. Go ahead, please. Hey, Porty, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Ah, surviving. It's that holiday Thriving. time of the year, you know? Yeah, um, get it, buddy. Hey, I want to kind of piggyback on your uh, comments you were just talking about, the topic. You know, obviously, I think Rosie, I don't know where he's at with his injury, but I would imagine he's coming back pretty soon. And Boone, four to six, four to five weeks probably at this point. Um, You know, and I think Voronkov was brought up when when Roslovic went down and Kent Johnson brought up when uh, Boone went down, if I'm remembering that correctly. And those guys have found a home. They've found a line, and it seems like this is almost the most stable the lines have been for probably the longest stretch, you know, starting out-wise. Maybe a couple, a scratch here or there, but in general, you've had the same lines for five, six games in a row, which is actually kind of nice, and I'm sure it's nice for the players. When those guys are finally healthy again, where do, especially Roslovic, where are they going to slide in? Do, do they have a home right now, or... What do you think that's going to do to things? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the reasons the lines have settled down a little bit is because these these guys have started to play um, consistently their games, so you can see where that works best. But also, with Jenner, Line A, Roslovic out of the lineup, you don't have the crowd you had before, where guys were, you know, guys were needing to play to play. Um, 
And when they're all back, if they're all back together, who knows, someone might get hurt in the meantime, you're going to be crowded again. Um, so, you know, the Blue Jackets moved Eric Robinson out. Um, I, that was, a, I think, a good trade for them. Nothing against Eric Robinson, but but that's a, you know, that's a, a spot that look how Gaunt has filled it. And, and I don't think anyone has watched that line play and said that they miss Eric Robinson, although the power, the penalty kill sucks. That is as much about Boone Jenner's absence, I think, as it is anything. Um, yeah, so I don't know where those guys fit. And Pascal Vincent's job goes back to being impossible again if everyone's healthy because you still have too many forwards. And, I mean, Kent Johnson doesn't deserve to go anywhere. Bronkov's not going anywhere. Um, so many of these other guys, Marchenko's not going anywhere. Sillinger needs waivers. That's not going to happen. So they're kind of crowded again. Um, yeah, and that now you put uh, Yarmo Kekalina back into trade mode. Uh, how does he clear out space for these guys? The other thing that they've got to ponder here is, you know, how do you fit Denton Matejchuk in here next year, or even if it's the year after? Um, you've got more guys coming. Jordan uh, Dumay, I'm not sure if he's going to go right from junior to the NHL. He's probably going to need some time in the American Hockey League. But if you look too far down the road, can you really have a team with Gaudreau, Dumay, and Kent Johnson on it, three light wings? Can you have that? Um, it's about roster construction, too. So I think Yarmo Kekalainen's got some work to do here. But it, it's, it's wise to see these guys get fully formed before you make decisions on them. Um, that's why I've, I've been saying for a while, to me, this year, uh, especially given the way that they started, it now feels like it's, it's just an educational year. Whereas we didn't learn much last year. We did about some guys. We learned Marchenko could play. We learned Johnson could play. But so many guys were hurt that it was really hard to draw any conclusions off of last season. I think this is a real... We're starting to see Chinikov, Yurichek, Baronkov, Marchenko, Johnson. There is a cluster of really good young players here. What do they need around them? What do they need to thrive? Um, how big of a load can they carry here? Um, and I think there's been some positive answers in that respect, uh, but there's still a lot more uh, information to be gathered. All right, Drew S., you are now on the Front and Nationwide podcast. Go ahead, please. Hey, Porty. Hope you're doing well. Um, kind of want to talk to you about roster construction as well. You kind of mentioned it, and it's like looking at this roster, especially on the defense, like there's guys coming up, but there's just so many big contracts out there, and, and I'm an anti-Line-A guy myself, so don't really want to get into that contract and what I think Line-A is these days. But okay. I just feel like that's where really Yarmo in, in the front office has let us down the last few years. It's not the, the drafting. They've actually had some good players come through, but it's just the, the roster construction just doesn't make sense, and where they've spent a lot of this money are kind of some of the weaknesses in the team. So just kind of go over that if you don't mind. Yeah, well, I'll look at the at the back end because that's what you highlighted. It's um, it's it's interesting, and, I, and this has never been nailed down, but I think I, I think it's a reasonable um conclusion. I even asked Mike Babcock this before he got fired. He turned them down initially. They they acquired Provorov and and Severson, and then he took the job. I don't think it's crazy to suggest that Babcock only wanted the job if they improved the back end. And how ironic is that? Because Damon Severson did not get off to a great start. Now he's he's hurt. He's coming back soon. I think he could play Saturday. I'm not going to rush his judgment about rather where he's at with his game because I still think he's a, a good player that can play a top four role. But if you see where Juracek is, and you realize that that I think Blankenberg needs to play every night. Um, yeah, I hate to say it, but you could almost make the argument that you that Severson's not necessary here in the first year of his eight year deal. Ow, um, they, it's kind of crowded. They've got to sort some things out. I think the timing with Provorov 
and um, who am I thinking of? Oh, Matejchuk makes a lot of sense. Like that's that's perfect timing. Uh, Matejchuk turns pro next year when pro draws in his last year, and you can if Matejchuk's ready for the NHL, then he's here. If he's in Cleveland, you can monitor his progress and you can decide if he's going to be ready for the NHL the following season. I think most people think that Matejchuk, if he's not ready for the NHL next season, will definitely be ready a year later after a year in the American Hockey League. That's a very reasonable flow of players. So then your left side would be Wierenski, Matejchuk, whoever's on the back left. Um, the right side, again, with with, um, you know, who goes next, who's best next to Wierenski. I thought Bogfist looked pretty good there. Um, can Juracek play there next year? They're pretty comfortable with him on the third pair. I'm not sure if they want him much higher this year. Again, I don't think it would be the end of the world if, if they had just decided to send Juracek to Cleveland this year. But that's too late now. They've already played him more than 10 games. They've told him to get a place. Once you go there, he's your guy. So it, there's, again, I, I think, I'll say it again, I, I think the back end is just like the forwards where it's kind of a messy, crowded, um, cloudy, where, where are things going here? Um, but we'll get more answers to that as this, as this season moves along. I think the clarity will be provided for them. And then they'll have to act on it. This is the odd man out. Let's let's move this for for this. I think at some point too, you've got to contemplate moving a collection of players, not a collection of players, but including a pick or a player um, that maybe right now you can't imagine trading uh, to acquire a young veteran NHL player that really stabilizes your roster, and whether that's a centerman or not. Um, I'm not sure where that goes, but I think Yarmo's going to have to get creative. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, Todd P going back to the text here go for about another 15-20 minutes probably uh, Todd P says what do you think the locker room thinks of Elvis's actions that Branson, Jean-Luc and Jody seem to be holding back words on the broadcast yeah I listen I don't think they liked it I don't think the locker room appreciated it to be honest with you because um, again I don't know that they saw the play the same way that Elvis says he saw it. I think this, in some cases, may be seen uh, as a selfish act. Um, so. uh, Michael M. says, Porty, what are your thoughts uh, regarding seemingly most of the team commented about containing emotions versus backing their goalie publicly? I think Torts would have really given it to Tom Wilson publicly. If he was still around, but PV and most of the team pointed fingers at Elvis and said, I don't agree with that at all, Michael. I don't think that is how Torch would have seen it. <clears throat> I don't. I think um, I think John Tortorella and Elvis Merzlikens was a volatile mix. And I think Elvis towed the line, uh, perhaps because of that volatility. I think I think his his views on Tom Wilson would be clear, but I think he would have been extremely disappointed in his goalie. I'm not sure how he would have handled it publicly, but there's nothing that, that John Tortorella hates more than um, players putting their own uh, agenda above the team. Alex B says the El uh, the Elvis hit piece was pretty unnecessary. Alex, step to the stage if you care to, or care to clarify that. I'm not sure what you mean by a hit piece. If you're talking about the game story, it was kind of like uh, what happened, not really a hit piece. Um, Patrick D says, uh, McConnell seems okay with the subpar status quo. 
I don't know where you got that notion. Uh, what will it take for ownership to move on from Yarmo? The fan base starts to protest the poor overall performance of the team by not going to games and hitting McConnell's checkbook. Would it force him or JD to make a move? Um, well, I don't, I don't know where you got the sense that, that the McConnell is okay with the subpar status quo. He hasn't spoken directly on it to my knowledge. Um, but through Mike Priest, his, uh, right hand man, I mean, he told us he was extremely frustrated and disappointed. Um, that's not, uh, okay. Whether you take those words genuinely or not is up to you, but I don't think he's, he is, I don't think he has indicated that he doesn't mind, uh, what's happening. Uh, I would also point you to the statement before the season that said there will be consequences if there's not progress. So anyways, um, Austin H says, do other teams in the second intermission talk about how bad the CBJ are? in the third, and they then feel confident they can score on us. Yes. Um, so this is one of the things that I asked uh, Bruce Boudreau and and Ken Hitchcock, would this come out in your pregame? And I'm not sure if I included it in the piece last week or not, but Boudreau was great on it. He said, yeah, absolutely. Um, this is something that if you were playing a team that was known for blowing third-period leads, of course it would come up. Uh, it would be used as a... Very strong talking point to build um, confidence among your troop. It absolutely would. And I'm sure that's what's happening. Absolutely. Um, Dominic B says, any word on when Roslovic will be ready to return? So the uh, Dominic follows up with, where do you see him slotting into the lineup? He is not skating yet, to my knowledge. I've seen him walking without a boot, without a limp. So that's, those are all good signs. Um, I think it was Pascal Vincent a couple days ago that said Roslovic probably will resume skating after the holidays. I'm not sure if that means the New Year's Day or not, uh, or if it's sometime in between. But he shouldn't be long now. Uh, as for where he fits in the lineup, I got no clue. Uh, I think the easy send out at this point would be Gaunt. I'm not sure you want Roslovic playing right wing on the fourth line. But it, you know, maybe he or left wing on the right on the fourth line. Maybe that's a good way to bring him back in slowly and let him work his way uh, to the four. Uh, right now, Danforth is skating with uh, Fantilli and uh, Gaudreau. I guess I could see Roslovic slotting into Danforth's spot and Danforth dropping in the lineup. I don't think you would mess up the Russian line right now. Um, maybe you could put Roslovic with. Johnson and Sillinger and have a an interesting line there with Bemstrom slotting down or slotting out. So there are possibilities for one. Um, it starts to get a little more intense when, when you think about Jenner coming back, Line A coming back. Uh, but those are bridges to cross uh, when we get to them. Uh, Kevin G, I like the way this starts. Kevin G says, I am the world's biggest optimist. I felt with the coaching chaos, plus young players and free agents, this would take a while. I'm seeing bright spots, but the losing of leads and defensive breakdowns make me bite my wrist. Bite your wrist, that's interesting. Are the bright spots really real? Does my 23 years of optimism make me a unicorn? Or am I setting myself up for more heartbreak? I don't have many years left to watch this franchise on this earth. Well, Kevin, you certainly ended the, your uh, comment a lot more uh, pessimistic than you started it. Um, and I'm beginning to doubt your your claim that you're the world's biggest optimist. But I appreciate your points and your questions. Um, listen, I, I wrote a thing a couple weeks ago that seemed ill-timed, I'm sure, because uh, this team is, at least record-wise, barely better than they were last year when everyone was talking about the draft already. But it is, I don't think it is shamelessly optimistic to look at this team and think, my God, if they can just add to this properly, subtract from it properly, and keep this together, there are some young pieces here that are very, very impressive. Uh, that Russian line is all 23 years old and younger, right? You've got Fantilli, a 19-year-old, centering Johnny Gaudreau. 
you've got a second year pro and a third year pro on a pretty good third line right now with Bemstrom. Um, so, and I, you know, I, again, they, they got to sort some stuff out here and maybe concentrate their talent through trades, but they've got a lot of, of pieces that are, uh, really, really impressive and, and should be the source of optimism going forward. And I think that, I think what separates this year from last year, I said this before, is health and hope. And I think it's the young players that you can see before your very eyes um, developing and performing um, that give you hope for the future, whereas it was in short supply last year, as you all know. Um, So, yeah, I don't want to say they're going to be really good in two years and three years, but I think if they can keep this group together, there's some really, really, really bright spots here. They're all already scoring goals at a pretty impressive rate. That's there. Now they've got to shore us some things up defensively. Uh, Matt C. says, what do you think the contracts for KJ, Marshy, and Chinny look like? Um, well, you know, they're all going to be a little bit different. Marchenko's is going to be really a damn good climb because of his numbers. He's like top 50 in the league goals wise since he joined it. So that young man is going to get paid. Um, I think KJ and Chinnikov certainly are going to get more than qualifying offers, but I don't think they're going to break the bank with this next one. To me, Marchenko's contract is such that he could sign a long-term. And I I wonder what approach this team is going to take with all of these guys, with some guys they've favored bridges through the years. Um, Do they, in an attempt to keep this group together, do they lock these guys up long-term? We'll say this, they are all RFAs. So don't get too freaked out here that they're just going to leave. They don't have that power yet. Uh, let's see. Uh, Voronkov has one more year, so don't worry about him. Um, Kent Johnson, he, I'm not even sure he's going to, according, I'm looking at Cap Geek here, I'm not even sure he's going to have qualifying rights offers because of his contractual status. Marchenko and Chinikov, I believe, yeah, they both have uh, arbitration rights which means if they don't get the deal that they want or they think is fair above their qualifying offer, they can go to arbitration. The Blue Jackets have never been to arbitration with the player. They've had several players file. They've had a few players settle right at the at the door before they go in for their hearing, uh, but they've never gone through that process. It'll be an interesting summer. Uh, other RFAs, Texier, arbitration rights, uh, Marchenko, Bemstrom, Chinikov. I'm not sure Bemstrom's back after this year with the crowd up front, but we, we shall see. Um, yeah, they've got some work to do. And Jake Bean is an RFA with arbitration rights. Um, not sure if he would be back, but these are things we can get to uh, this summer. Uh, let's see. James B. Oh, James B. says, what are our contracts like for next season? All these people moving on to next year already. Do we sign Marchie, Chinny, Silly, and KJ to the max length deals? Yeah, just got into that. Um, yeah, not sure. It's uh, I'm not sure if, if it's a blanket approach to all of the players or if it is uh, individually player dependent, if uh, if you know what I mean. Um, Barrick says, happy Festivus, Porty. Happy Festivus to you. I want to air a grievance. All right, let's go. Why don't NHL players wear cages on their buckets? While it is rare for someone to catch a puck in the face, it seems to me players could prevent missing weeks by wearing them, especially the those that play in front of the net. It is an interesting question. I don't know about cages, but, I mean, everyone wears a shield now. Um, I remember when I first started covering this league, I... I did freelance for the hockey news and every year they would want a list of players on the team that wore visors. 
because it used to be optional. And like every team had like four or five that did. Now there's like three guys left that don't. I don't know about a full cage. Like, like, seems to me that most of the kids that can, the second they can take those off, they do. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't think these guys want to be too different from their peers. So college guys, those are off the second uh, they can. Um, when they get to the pros, they go right to the advisor. A comment more than a question. Cole looking really good on a PK. I wish Ovi had been his defensive target uh, at the very end there. So, Morgan, I'll say this about Cole Stillinger. He's, he's got a goal in two straight games, but forget the goals for a second. I think he's just been a, a, a an improved, clearly improved hockey player this year. And you'd like the goals to come more. He's at three now. Um, he's got something outrageous, like six over his last 90 games, which is wild for a guy that had 16 as a rookie. Um, so the goal scoring has disappeared, but it feels like it's starting to come back. But I feel like the rest of his game has really, really started to take shape. Um, he's finishing checks. He's more engaged physically. Um, I think he's a better player and I really see it as do you on the penalty kill. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. Um, Jonathan C says, thoughts on us putting nine on Buffalo, then Buffalo putting nine on the Leafs. Worried we're going to get nine hung on us uh, this weekend by the Leafs. Well, get ready because the old Leafs are going to be revved up. Um, and I, you know what? They play them twice in six days in the same building. This will be the third meeting in two weeks. Um, Toronto's not really a feisty physical club, but you could see that being pretty contentious by this weekend and next. Um, the Blue Jackets, like all teams, get up to play the Leafs because they know they're on TV back home. It, it'll it be a, a rousing affair. And I think Columbus will be a little pissed off after the way Washington uh, beat them. That's a winnable game. That's the other thing that makes Elvis's action so frustrating. That's a very, very winnable game against a dog-tired team. Um, so interesting to see how they come out Saturday, but yeah, I would think the leaves are pre- plenty pissed off, which, which should make them a heavy group. Uh, Drew S says, I agree with you on the construction. I'm fine with the Provorov contract with the years and us needing to add talent there. What's the point of signing good Branson when we have peaked at a bad contract? Uh, and we could have gone without the Severson deal completely. It just seems so poorly constructed on the back end. Drew, it's fine. I'm not going to argue with you. I do think that Branson is a different cat than Andrew Peake in all ways. Um, I I wish at times fans could step into the room and see the level of respect that Good Branson has from his peers. Um, he is a feared fighter in this league, though he does not do it much because he doesn't have to. Did you notice how Tom Wilson avoided Good Branson last night? Wants nothing to do with it. Um, he is a, he reminds me, Good Branson does so much of the, so many of the guys that I was so fortunate to cover in the early years of the Blue Jackets, the, just the, he is a throwback. He is a, an old soul, if you will. Um, he really reminds me of a young Luke Richardson. Um, he's got some Kevin Deneen in him, just a total pros pro. He, he seems like a, a player that would have played in the 80s or the 90s. And I don't mean that as a stay-at-home lumberjack defenseman. I mean that just in his character and the way that he handles himself. Um, and I think that's how players feel about him. Martinell says, if this looks like a young team with this look, if this looks like a young team with promise, but not the ideal record, is Yarbo still out? I don't know. I don't know, man. Is it possible they could add someone in operations to be GM and promote him so there's a stronger voice to make roster calls? Martin, this, these are the questions for the president of hockey operations, John Davis. Um, and I'm not saying questions that you should ask him. Those are questions that I should ask him. But those are not questions that he's going to deal with publicly. Those are questions he needs to to contemplate uh, in his day-to-day work life. What, um, you know, what, how do they proceed here? And do they need to make a change to 
to change the outlook here. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think you could justify making changes. I've said that before. I also think it could be a very interesting spring for the Blue Jackets. But you know what? Call me crazy. I also feel, and I have felt this from the beginning too, I may just be wrong, that this team has a little run in it. And I don't mean to the playoffs. That that ship has sailed. I mean uh, to be one of the better teams in the league for a two- or three-week stretch. I don't think that's crazy. I think you can see it sort of fostering at some point. Right now it's not locking in in, in all ways. But, um, yeah, this team is not devoid of talent. And, and people who think that it is are, are terribly uh, mistaken. I think a lot of times the reputation of the team, a well-earned reputation of the franchise over 23 years, um, plays a part. But most people, scouts especially when they watch this team, they, uh, they are impressed by a lot of the young players that they've got. And again, it's going to be really interesting to see where it goes. This is what keeps it from feeling like it did last year. Um, so anyways, uh, thanks for joining us. Great conversation today. I knew it would be spirited with uh, the events of last night. We'll see you about next week. Uh, Christmas, of course, on Monday. So it's not out of the question we could do something later in the week. Um, certainly wish you all a very happy holidays. I hope you get it. Give all that you wish to do this, this holiday season. Enjoy your time with family. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us. We'll talk to you again next week, perhaps. Talk to you later. Take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.